0: So welcome everybody to another week of para presents um really happy to be here we have a a special guest this week that i've been looking forward to and of course uh myself and mr david pickerell on the other side of me are the uh co-hosts of this and we like doing these and Lately, you know, we've done, we've had a couple that have been just David and I, we've done some panel ones, but some of the ones that we've done with just one guest, some of these three ones have been really interesting. And we're hoping tonight ends up to be, uh, that same type of thing. If you're not familiar with Jeff Thomas black, you will be here shortly. Um, he is, uh, he's a, he's a podcaster like myself for, he's got audio podcast. He is writing a book. And he has some very, very strong beliefs and some science even to go behind what he's talking about. But I might let him run with this from the let's let's because I don't want to miss the starting point and the incorrect point. Um, like maybe what made you get to here and uh, you know and and what is here? Where are we as far as your podcast and what you're trying to do with your book and get out there. And again, thank you for joining us.
1: Oh, my pleasure. Thanks, Steve. And and thanks, David. Um gotten to know both of you a little bit. And David had some really interesting press in the New York Times that I read about uh in terms of, of his uh startup technology company interfacing with with some of the larger players, particularly DoorDash, and how that added transparency was was highly uh undermined. By the major players, so I think there's there's really an interesting dynamic, and I'm really glad to be with you guys. Uh, thanks for having me. So, my my story really begins with the fact that I'm I'm kind of at heart an activist, an idealist. Uh, civil rights and human rights have been uh, a large part of my life, and I did a lot of activism in that space. Uh, including going to jail and and paying some of the prices that one pays for doing civil disobedience. Peaceful civil disobedience which is the only kind that I believe in, and and through that, uh, I also made myself I'd say somewhat of a pariah in the corporate world that I was qualified to be in. I have a master's in business administration from a from a pretty fine business school, the Duke University uh, School of Business in, in Durham, North Carolina. I've heard of that yeah, you've heard of that. It's a good got a good basketball team, got a good medical school, good business school, good law school. It's a great place, and and believe me, I was around some of the most amazing people there. The greatest experience people ask me about my MBA was not what I learned; it was the people. First of all, I learned that I was easily in the lower, uh, the lowest third or lowest quartile of of intelligent people there. Man, these these people have have the amazing horsepower of of mental ability quantitative ability analysis ability that's that's truly astounding and one of the things that i think makes me appreciate doordash is i know the people that they're hiring to do their work because they're the people i went to school with and they're freaking brilliant man if you think they can't figure out a way how to fleece your pants off you are so very wrong because they can, they're really, really, really smart. And I don't even claim to be as smart as they are. I'm glad, I'm glad they made an admissions mistake and let me in, uh, but but uh, these people have some serious horsepower and then you add the power of AI, which has now supercharged that power into something that I would say 99% plus of gig workers don't even understand at all what they're dealing with um and and probably a hundred percent can't be so so that's kind of where uh when you say 99 percent that don't
0: understand are you talking about how like even simple ai like how uber's now doing patterns where they're going to place you with riders based on ai Yes. And so that, so like, oh, he he doesn't like music and he's complained on drivers for having live music. This guy love. he's a driver. He loves live music. Let's place these two together. Like, yeah. Are you talking so, about even that kind of simplistic re- reality.
1: So so if you had 15, uh, 15 individuals and 15 uh, uh, serving individuals, whether they be Uber drivers or whether they be DoorDash drivers, there's over a trillion combinations of 15 to the 15th power. You you can do that math with 15 to the 15th power of how to deliver those things. And so anyone that thinks that they understand the algorithm to the extent of how it is processing their profile, their information, their response rate, their their history and everything else, anyone that thinks that they understand a modicum of that (laughs) amount of data flowing in and out on a computer program that can predict over a million times per second, what they're going to do next and knows what they're going to do next better than they do uh, is diluting themselves. And then let's throw out the fact that this is not the physical world. This is not, you get a 360 degree view of the world and you can look around and, and build that reality off of what you see. You are getting information that's threaded through the eye of a needle And then you're allowed to make decisions on that little thread on the other side. And so anybody that thinks they have autonomy in these apps, well, you have autonomy on, on what has come through the eye of the needle. You have the the choices that are being served to you specifically for you to manipulate you. Yes, you have those choices. Are they really choices? Of course not. I mean, Steve, if I give you, if I give you the opportunity to, to start at, 9 a.m., 10 a.m., or 11 a.m. and work 11 hours um, on each of those shifts. Is that a choice? No, I'm giving you, I'm assigning you to work 11 hours and you can do it three different ways. That's that's equivalent to what DoorDash is. And anyone that thinks that they're gaming the app, they're just they're just wrong. And that's what's so painful about watching most gig app uh content creators these days, Steve, and then I'm gonna wrap up because I know this is kind of a long intro. No, it's okay. Um, that's what's so frustrating is because we still have after years, these folks like Pedro or whoever else that pretend they're reading the tea leaves and pretend that programs mean something and pretend that, that promotions mean something and pretend that work by the hour versus work by the job is gonna make some difference or that anecdotes are trends, right? Because we are all markets of one. We are all markets of one. There are no universalities to being a DoorDash or a gig worker, other than the fact you are a manipulated pawn. That's the commonality. There is no commonality in your marketing ability, your your ability to understand your market. You can make things easier or harder upon yourself based upon your knowledge. You can be more or less successful, but isn't that a shame? Should people take? work where they're going to be unsuccessful what is unsuccessful work Uh, i think that's that's very close to slavery so we can talk about that and i'll wrap up by saying how the hell did i get into doordash and the gig economy and riding around about it well because i went through the pandemic like you guys did and and i had limited employment opportunities and i delivered five thousand five hundred and twenty-one doordash orders so i know of of what i speak and i became very interested in Being gamed, although while I was doing all that work, I didn't know how I was being gamed. Now, in the last, yeah,
0: you're talking about a period too when the pay was. It's like me when rideshare first came to Denver. The pay was so good. I was where I was bartending as well. I was making as much, even on like day shifts with Lyft or Uber, as I would bartending on a Friday night. So I didn't really care. It it sucks because I didn't really care in that beginning point how the how it was working. I'm like, cool, money, lots of it, right. exactly it It was
1: it was a completely different time and it was a new model i mean we couldn't figure out how these ai scheming ai schemes were gaming us until we watched them work for a while nevertheless only after i quit dashing which is which is about nine ten months ago now altogether, and started working on the book and on the the journalism of of doordash and the gig industry did i truly understand How gamed I was, how gamblified it is, how rigged it is, how nothing, literally nothing is real and there are no rules. And so that's where that's where I looked at this as an economist, as a business person and as a as a civil rights writer and thought, this is this is what I want to write about. I've lived through this. I've seen this. I've experienced this. And I care about the people that it's happening to, which are the most abused traditionally and most used and exploited workers, people of color, women, people with with, with disabilities, people that somehow don't fit into the traditional work paradigm are also the people that are being abused most by the gig economy. And as a civil rights and human rights guy, that stuff makes me crazy. So so why am I here is because that, that triggered uh, my knowledge and then as I've learned learn more and more and as I, AI have come into the picture and we learn what AI is really doing with the gig economy it became really I think an, uh a matter of an existential threat and it became kind of a, a mission in life for me to get this book out and this Information out and tell people the truth of what's being done to them because I believe people deserve uh, choices, I believe people deserve transparency I believe people deserve to have informed consent uh, and with those things, if AI is in our world and we have in cor- informed consent and transparency and those things, AI can work because AI can help us be more successful. If AI is created to exploit human beings, then AI is a disaster and it will end us as as the human race because AI can and will, gamify gambify and beat our pants off every single time not most of the time every single time so it's a race to the bottom as long as we give corporations with ai the ability to exploit us that being said let's turn your show over to you because i i really um am thrilled to hear what you guys have to say your prior conversations that i've listened to were very interesting so thanks for having me again guys
0: absolutely david what, what do you got
2: Yeah. uh when's like the first time you're like hey i'm getting played something weird is going on here like when when were you just like at first the money's pouring in It's great when were you just
1: like hey something something's going on well i think i think i knew that intuitively when i first heard of the gig economy and met people mostly the friends the kids of my friends who had who were trying the gig economy in some form whether it be uber eats or instacart or or, or some form uh, and, and thinking from the beginning, like this doesn't smell right. This wouldn't be created for any other reason to exploit you, but I'm not quite sure how it's exploiting you yet. But, it, but also noting, as I will note today, that given the nation and times that we live in, there are people that don't have other options right now. And I'm the last person in the world that's going to tell you not to take the opportunity to keep yourself housed and take care of your kids and do whatever the hell you have to do to stay free and alive. And unfortunately, I think that's where the gig economy is playing right now is is they're playing with people's lives who are becoming dependent upon this money. And this idea of flexibility that they've sold as an alternative to workers rights and as an alternative to fair pay and as an alternative to fair scheduling and as an alternative to to fair employment conditions that's a bunch of crap because flexibility is putting my ankles behind my ears and then i'll never walk again flexibility is not what i'm looking for i want to be paid i want to be paid for what i do not not contorted and right now in a perfect
0: world you'd want
1: both though a perfect and, 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 world. well and here's why i say that
0: because i do yeah i do that's production true. you work. do
1: want flexibility it's not that it has no value but it's not it's not it's not necessary and sufficient you well, still gotta so, get paid too so let me
0: give you my scenario everybody's got theirs so like i and especially before the pandemic the pandemic really threw a wrench in this for a while but i do uh production work for a laser company i work for a lighting company i've been on tour i've been around the world um when I go do shows and then I come back here and I don't have anything going on for six, seven weeks, there's nobody that's going to give me a job in that time. Mm -hmm. And so, because those are good paying gigs, I could probably get through that time if I like, but a, I become bored and B, I start thinking, why am I not making money during this time? Mm -hmm. I don't need to just sit at home. Right. You know? And so like, for me, the gig economy was a lifesaver before the pandemic huge lifesaver for many during the pandemic. And I think that I don't think anybody questions the fact that even um, what is it? The the movie that came out, that's a little more pro union than I like to be, but um, uh, the gig is up. Even they have the world estimate at three times. It's it's current gig workers by 2025. And a lot of those, I don't read into a lot of those, but in that one I do because I do believe that the world markets are headed towards gig work. And I don't, and I don't believe the United States will sit behind and fall behind on this where it's going to go. That part, I don't know. Things are going to change a lot. Um, There's some political points there. There's some other things. Um, There's how the, you know, why did the companies never just produce transparency in the first place? David and I have talked about this a
1: hundred times. I have the answer to that. So do you.
0: I know, but like, you know what? people i still say people take the offers
1: but they wouldn't that's the problem that's the problem if and and remember these companies are still on the books not their oligarch founders who are billionaires not their investors and uh, of multiple rounds who are billionaires they're not suffering at all they're watching the they're watching the show now in terms of the companies themselves remember that that doordash was recently uh noted by uh by uh why is his name eluding me now anyway for losing more per order in revenue than any time in the last 10 years so uh i think that we have to understand there are different motives in this business there are different motives for ai And the motive here is clearly not to make money off of last mile delivery. It's clearly, I don't think, even to make money as a transportation company. I think it's to transform the American and global worker into an unemployed uh, widget, human widget that can be paid or not paid by the minute of their production. And it's kind of the corporate dream come true, right? If corporations are metaphorical psychopaths, this is the ultimate expression of a psychopath because you make the investment, you take the risk, you do the work, you do everything. And and so what is the corporation? What is DoorDash? You can't call and talk to anybody from DoorDash on the phone ever. You'll talk to a third-party contractor. I mean, we can ask, what is a shell company that has AI running human beings. What is that thing? Is that a company? Is that a company with no employees other than, uh, other than how the, the robot, you know, I mean, the AI in the corner that, that fleeces people's pants off and takes a commission on all human transactions. That's a business plan. I mean, this is, this is heinous stuff. The only reason this exists is that corporations invented it to destroy employment and art Uh, public officials and legislators and politicians look the other way. But just because something exists doesn't mean it should exist. And and my thesis would certainly be the gig economy because of its deceptive nature, because it cannot be transparent, as Steve, you and David noted, because it cannot be transparent and survive, that means it's not legitimate, right? Gambling isn't a legitimate way to, to make somebody work. Uh, risking loss is not a way to make somebody work. And when we're doing it to people that are already impoverished, uh, it slides into slavery very, very fast. And I call it app slavery, because if you're, if you're coercing somebody to go out and work at a loss of money, you're, you're forcing slavery. And if you promise them things in the future, it doesn't matter, right? By the, by definition as an individual contractor and an individual contract, there is no future. There is one contract, Steve, I'm offering you. And if I'm offering you a money losing contract by deceiving you, not only am I a rat bastard, not only am I a criminal, but I also have no legitimate business. Because if the only way I can get you to take to take the ride from uh, New Jersey into Manhattan and then drive back deadheaded is to trick you into it. The only way I can get you to take a ride is, to lose money is to trick you into it. That's not a legitimate business, man. I mean, you could, you could of course deceive people in contracts, but that means that the contract itself is not valid.
0: Yeah, no, I, I get that. I, you know, I happen to work a more niche group of apps. I've been working the app since 2015 here in Denver. Um, you know, I'm not really, I'm not Mr. Uber, or Mr. Lyft anymore. Like I've started my own dumpling. I, I, I'm trying to poach Instacart things. I've got uh, I do a lot of curry work and I've gotten into a last a lot of last mile courier apps even that are really blowing my mind because they are fully transparent of stuff. Mm-hmm. We have uh, David can attest to this too. I know that you're not 100% familiar with the app but once you connect one of your accounts in the Para app, you have the ability to hit um Para works at the bottom and be getting I I don't want to like limit it to this but at this time David correct me if I'm wrong it's primarily good-paying catering orders.
2: Catering, um, we're doing some sort of hospice, hospital at home. Yeah. It's like delivery within stadiums. Was the idea of like uh, things that are fully transparent that pay better than the apps. Yeah. Uh, but I think you know what I agree with what you're saying, Jeff. Is uh, this idea that the apps are tricking you into doing things? Right. The way I think we've always viewed it here is this idea that. The apps are hiding information from you and basically passing the burden of their inefficient business and or the burden of them taking trips that don't make financial sense to grow their top line revenue, to enrich themselves and passing the cost of that onto the driver, right? Which just isn't fair. Uh, and uh, that's really sort of, I think, the crux of a lot of what we stand for here at Paris, is like, it should be transparent. And if it doesn't make sense and people aren't going to take it, if it's transparent, that's a business decision on your end that should come out of your pocket, not out of coercion that happens to drivers there. I think we also sort of rewind it a little bit, take a step a little back further there. I think the point you were making earlier on, uh, you know, AI systems or systems that are designed, we all know what this is designed for, right? The systems are designed to optimize for what is best for the gig platform. Right? And at the same time, the platforms are saying, hey, but you're an independent contractor. And I think that's really where it's not fair. If you really are a independent contractor, not only should you know what you're gonna make, but you should also either know the parameters of the system that feed you the trips, and or I think you know, taking a step back, and maybe this is a bit more of my wonky belief, but I think we need a system that also takes into account the preferences of each individual person. Right? So a more perfect system would take into account what Jeff wants, what Steve wants, what David wants. And then if you take those inputs and also balance the other inputs, you could create a more perfect system, but it's not designed that way, right? Right there, it was just a closed loop system designed to optimize for one stakeholder in the marketplace.
1: Correct. And, and the, the stakeholder, certainly in the case of DoorDash, which is the, the entity that I've spent the most time uh, studying in depth, uh, in the case of of DoorDash, they are so advanced in what they do that that any type of transparency is really virtually impossible with their app. Uh, it, it, you can't, and this is why legislators fail too. You can't legislate a game world. Imagine if legislators were now trying to legislate Call of Duty, right? And all that the Call of Duty developers would have to do is change the parameters of the game every time the legislators did something. And I think that's one of the that's one of the biggest dangers of of AI is not only that it uh, jumped the tracks in terms of controlling humans without their consent and coercing humans in, in very, very powerful ways. but it But it jumped the track in terms of any modicum of business legitimacy. And that's what really blows my mind is that this entity has such global power on a governmental level that they can institute this. And what does that tell you? It tells you in some ways that the government is kind of into it, that the government is tired of the problems of employing human beings because human beings are a pain in the ass. And that if we could just get human beings on on quick, easy installments and not have to be responsible for the upkeep of the human beings and the success of the human beings and the the safety of the human beings, that's like a corporate dream come true. But as you said, what happens is that Those two entities, when when it's an employment relationship, David, you have employees for your company and they're on the same team. You care about their well-being. They care about your well-being because you're going to succeed together. Think about DoorDash. DoorDash succeeds as dashers fail. The more dashers fail, the more DoorDash succeeds. And DoorDash does not plan to make all their money off of last mile delivery. They know they'll never be profitable on last mile delivery. But if they have 27 nations slaving and giving them a percentage of their of their revenues for basically doing nothing other than, than uh polluting markets and tricking customers and manipulating consumers with AI as well, you know, the ship has sailed, right? DoorDash already has 65% of this marketplace. And that is one nasty 65% of marketplace. Because you're, if, if you're an independent retailer, an independent technologist, an independent contractor, you're going to get fleeced by DoorDash. It's, it's, it's absolutely the way it is. There is no way out. You cannot win this game. And that's where you guys talk about gamblification, Steve, and, and those things. You can't win this game. You can't beat a casino.
0: Yeah, that's you know, one of the things I had here was, you know, the upfront pay model. We've learned that the upfront pay model is just that, but actually you're making less than you were on the rate card. So but I mean, to be honest, here's my view. This is always this has always been my view. I think David kind of sits on this fence a bit too, is that look, if you show me everything, if every app shows me everything, how many miles to where I gotta get the person, Mm -hmm. where they're going how much you're going to pay me include the tip without tip baiting, you know, like whatever that money is cannot change. If you're going to show me that I can't complain. If you offer me $1 to drive 50 miles, I just don't accept it. True. That'll never happen though. Right. But my point is, is that if they do that, it, it's there, in my opinion. It's there. It's there. it's it's their choice to run their business into the ground if that's what they would want to do.
2: I do think I do think sort of taking a step back, there is the next level to Nancy because I think that's like much better than what happens right now. I think the next level on I mean, sure. this might be where Jeff is going is like what gets sent to you basically is like what are the like okay they can be fully transparent but then they can. You know, there's that level of control of like what do i send to you specifically oh and i'm sure I that think- like
0: he was when he was talking about i was already picturing like these fractals when he was talking about like you know they are they know you didn't take this you didn't take this you didn't take this you didn't take oh right yeah and then the second you start moving a direction then they're like well since he took that he'd probably take one of these three right so they're already like steps ahead and they with- they
1: can walk you right down the income ladder Because we all know. So when I started during the pandemic, which is probably about three years ago now, when I first when I first did DoorDash. uh, The the gig tubers at that point, there was kind of there wasn't that many. But but the general consensus is, well, don't take anything under 750. I don't anything under 750. I turned down. now DoorDash noted this, too, in their in their earnings. They had to pay more than they wanted to during the pandemic. DoorDash noted that. They, they were hurting from uh, a shortage of like potential drivers growth. during the yeah. pandemic. And they, that's why they yeah. were paying more. There is no shortage now, no, which is no. why they're There's paying There's over 4 less. million drivers in this country. Right. And so so when people say, how is this going to get better? How are we going to do this? How are they going to pay more? They're not. They're heading one direction. And that's that's down. Now, David, what's different about the pair app and what's different about everything you noted is the answer to the ultimate question. Well, all all this is so great. What you know, we need DoorDash. What if DoorDash doesn't exist? Well, for the history of humanity up until about four, four years ago, for the most part, DoorDash did not exist. And ninety nine percent of retailers and eighty five percent of restaurants never had any delivery. Uh, options prior to that time so the 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 curve of human history delivery options changed with the pandemic now lucky thing for for those guys but is that stable right we saw other things change during the pandemic too we saw people working from home now every article that you read is about how every ceo goes well working from home was not a good thing we need teamwork so things will swing back so look these guys got very 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 lucky but with becoming lucky, they also realized, especially DoorDash, also Uber, how to get their hooks into society with desperation in a way they wouldn't be able to do during calmer, more more reasonable times. So, what David, what David noted, I just want to finish this. No, 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 no go,
0: go ahead, go ahead. because i
1: What I'm David right noted here. in his markets, catering, okay, catering. That is a clear example of where is a driver needed. You're going to need somebody with capacity, somebody with skills, somebody with the right equipment to deliver, somebody with the right attitude, somebody that represents you in the right way in a catering order, because that's what people expect. What about hospice? What about people that are homebound? Well, just like before the pandemic, there are solutions for people that actually need this service and when you actually need a service that means they're going to pay market price as david pays his drivers more because it's actually a needed service the answer to why doordash doesn't pay their drivers enough is because nobody needs a goddamn happy meal delivered to their house excuse my language nobody (laughs) needs happy meal delivery nobody needs burger king delivery nobody needs chipotle delivery ever Ever, Nobody has ever needed that. The Nobody people will the die. People, we yeah, have. I,
0: I get the ease, easiness of it, but the we people have who ways, that should be going to groceries and things. Right, and
1: we have ways to support people working as we always did before the pandemic shut down, when all of a sudden we decided that we don't need to do our own grocery shopping anymore. We don't need to go pick up our own food at the restaurant. We certainly don't need to go sit in a restaurant and talk and chat and have a beer and allow a restaurateur to make any money. Because I can yep. tell you, restaurateurs don't make any money when you pick up something from DoorDash or Uber Eats or whatever else. That restaurateur is maybe doing some public relations. They're not making any money off that food.
0: And and now you hit on a note where I want to read a little bit of a story to you guys. This came from the street. I want to see what you guys think of this. So if you can just let me get through a couple parts here. Yeah. Um, because it actually relates to what we're talking about right here. So. This was published, uh, I think just a few days ago, May 2nd. So, um, okay. DoorDash dash services were considered by many to be, uh, invaluable during the COVID pandemic where the services helped keep some restaurants in business. Drivers received paychecks, not paychecks, but whatever. And customers got convenient food delivery. The service was good and made the best out of a bad situation for all involved. Delivery convenience is something people, many people are comfortable paying extra for. However, while DoorDash has experienced great growth, it has also endured scrutiny as the company wasn't transparent in how tipping was being processed for its drivers. Now, here is just one single paragraph that very well explains what happened with the tipping thing that people have asked me about before. Customers thought that if they left a tip, the entire amount would go to the driver's. But this was not the case. The tip only went to the driver if the order amount met a minimum to cover the cost of the transaction. DoorDash was skimming the tips to cover its own costs. DoorDash has since stated that it has stopped this and has changed its t- tipping policy. They were caught twice doing this. Um so Doordash pushes back. Um, you know, Doordash holds a majority of the food delivery service market and is experiencing more pain points. The pain is coming from both sides: its customers and restaurant partners. Customers are complaining about the increased cost in using the delivery system, uh, services, while the restaurants, restaurant partners, are the co- are the cause of the increased cost in the transaction. So you, we'll go down a little bit here because I won't read the whole article. I will put it in the links for people to see, but I do want you to hear this last part. So now they're talking about we understand. Um, you know, DoorDash wants to wants customers to know that the increase in the cost of the entire food delivery isn't coming from them. It is coming from increased pricing for menu items that are being ordered through the delivery app itself. We understand this is a quote we understand that there are many uh there may be reasons why restaurants choose to raise their prices said a spokesman for doordash but in our mission to improve the customer and merchant experience we encourage restaurants to set doordash prices that more closely reflect in-store menu prices in a pushback from doordash to restaurant partners doordash is testing the use of a new badge on its website it's called uh menu matches in-store prices so without that badge it means that they're not using the in-store prices and i we will get to this here right now but get a menu matches in-store prices get the same prices you would in store on doordash the test uh, should show results on whether or not more doordash customers choose to order from the restaurant partners with the badge over those without there were parts of this article that were good, like all articles. There were parts that needed work. There were parts that were a little bit wrong. But I take a big note here about this, the reason for the problem is the restaurants. I don't know how they're getting that from both sides almost. And even Doordash's defense is, yeah, we we need to get them in line before anything can be fixed. because as far, I, I've been very confused lately, as far as I thought, the up pricing was something done by DoorDash. But then I was taught by Long Island Dash Experience, Lou and Mary, that they there is a cost that the businesses can incur to use DoorDash, but if they don't want to, yeah. So they can offset,
2: yeah, of they can offset.
0: Or, yeah. Or you can just right, you can just offset it and not have the cost. But in that case, you're trashing your business because the menu items going up, then there's processing service delivery. I mean, now you're talking about getting double the bill you'd get by going in.
2: I see, this is what it's, it's just not being a marketplace, right? So what you're saying is it doesn't work well because the driver won't do it without us telling them the full pay or the tip. And it doesn't work well because the restaurant doesn't want to lose money. So I'm sorry, but your really cheap order doesn't work anymore because we need to make money. And the other two sides of the equation aren't willing to lose money. So it doesn't work,
1: right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you guys are all being so difficult. That's the, that's the <laughs> challenge is you just don't want to cooperate with with DoorDash Corporation. And again, who is DoorDash Corporation? It's not the friendly people you speak to. It's not the people that process payroll. It's not the people that uh, do anything that would have anything to do with your function. It's it's contractors because if they cared about drivers, if they cared about gig workers, they would hire them. the The reason they're gig workers is they don't care about you. They that's, that is the reason in the end that they're gig workers is because the gig worker is the new cast that is below an employee. And it is looked on by society as someone to whom the minimum work standards of wage and the, the work standards of number of hours and the work standards of safety and the work standards of, of integrity and, and, uh, and the work standards of, of transparency. Well, those things don't apply. Why don't they apply? Cause they would apply to you. They would apply to you. They'd apply to me because we, we look like kind of middle-class, you know, w- white guys, but who do they not apply? Well, they don't apply to the black teenagers. They don't apply to impoverished mothers. They don't apply to, they don't apply to people that are running their cars into the ground and losing money on DoorDash. Those people are expendable. Those are victims we can, we can be down with because nobody cares. And, and so as a civil rights and human rights person, I have a real problem with that because I care. And even if, even if, and this is, this is law, right? Even if you can find somebody that agrees to be your slave, slavery is not legal. You cannot set up, a legal business based upon slavery in the United States, because it's illegal, even if the slave consents, even if the slave signs paper and says, I agree to be a slave for you know this period of time or for the rest of my life, you can't do it. And my argument is based on the way these deceptive, disgusting parasitic companies run, they're absolutely enslaving human beings and nothing that they do is legitimate because we all know if it was legitimate, it wouldn't work. There is no way to run DoorDash style last mile delivery profitabil- profitably. So if there's no way to do it, we all know that. We all know it's being game. We all know it's deceptive. What's their objective? That's, that's the question Really, I do, I do need money. To throw Why a quick are they doing this?
0: I do need to throw a quick caveat in that that you are referring to the app based gig economy started by Travis Kalanick in 2009 and beyond, because traditional ICs, freelancers, and independent contractors, self employed plumbers, contractors, completely different, completely okay, different yeah, category. Because that, right. the, I got to say, I before 2009, that was called the gig economy,
1: right. And and so, and so isn't I am always that,
0: very careful to to call the that the traditional one. And, isn't
1: that one of the great tricks of of manipulation and of branding? Is to take something that is already defined, and we know that those kind of contractors have always been contractors. But I'll tell you what, Steve, if I if you're a plumbing contractor and I contract you to repipe my house, and then when you show up, I go, hey, it's in St. Louis. You, are, you, you know, you're going to go, wait, 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 hold, time out. I'm doing your house. I, I thought, you know, if you called me to this address and told me to do it in Denver. Now you want me to do it in St. Louis. That's a different price. And that is the equivalent yeah. to what these do. So there's a difference between a contractor who is running a legitimate business, who has business insurance, who has their own customers, who has contacts and legitimacy and a physical world. Remember, these are game worlds. There is nothing organic going on in doordash it is a subset of a gamed market that is being presented to consumers and presented to drivers and presented to restaurants in order to maximize what this corporation takes out of that out of those transactions this is not a legitimate market it's not the internet it's not how you find a good restaurant it's not how you do anything except for overpay for food and and in terms of this blaming restaurants now for raising the prices uh, if you haven't noticed now that the PPP money is up, lots of restaurants are going out of business because like now they don't have to pay the money back. They can just go out of business now that the PPP timeline is up. So if you even care about having independent like restaurant tours, we're, like
0: we're already past that here in Denver. That wave already happened. Yeah. yeah. And but now if you, there's, if you, there's one's thriving. No.
1: Right. If, 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 if you care about independent restaurant tours, the the companies are fleecing them, right? They're giving McDonald's, they're giving all the major franchises better deals than they're giving to the the local guys. So the local guys simply can't compete. They can't. They can't profit. It is a downward spiral. And again, even if the United States was to say that gig work is illegal and there were all employees and everything else, these guys are already DoorDashers in twenty six other nations. So. All they've got to do is find some good dictators, some good abusive corporations, whatever. They're already doing this in India. They already have gig workers running around for yeah. $8 a day, oh, yeah. right? They're going to enslave humans to the extent that we let them and shame on all our legislators and our regulators and everything else for letting the gig economy come into being in, in its form that, that Steve described, not in the form of being a lawyer or being a plumber or being type electrician or some type of person running your own business. Yeah. I think that's the one thing we do here
2: for most of our users is like I want to be an independent contractor and be my own boss, but just the way that the thing is set up right now doesn't match. Right. Being an independent contractor to these platforms doesn't match to what uh, people want. And I think that's the space the sort of platforms play within, right? As you know, almost all the dashers want to be independent contractors. That's right, but that doesn't mean that they like how you're doing it right so that doesn't necessarily agree that you're honoring the obligations as to what it means to be an independent contractor i'm in charge of my work i have a say in the system my time is valuable i should know all the information i should own some of my data and i think i do sort of agree with some of the stuff you're saying earlier about how uh the platforms will find a way around it we saw a minor version to tie it into what steve said earlier a hundred percent of the tip now goes to the dasher but we're going to devise this smart system where we hide how much of this tip is being shown to the dashboard so we don't know so we can coerce them into something else right and i think that really shows the legislators are always on the back foot here right i mean i've had conversations with legislators we're lucky in that one of a para user actually got elected to the colorado state legislature but barring her most people have no idea about any of these issues And it's hard to expect them to do so. But I think really on my end, I think there needs to be sort of two sorts of conversations or questions they need to do to take a step back. Like, what is the role? Like, what does it actually mean to be an independent contractor? And the second part is like, what is the role of a marketplace, right? Or what is the role in a tech-driven AI marketplace? And what are the rules and parameters that need to make sense there, right? And I think especially when you combine the two of those, that's what we need to define. And I really view this on you know, one, you should get all the information to make that informed decision. But two, I think where it gets interesting is, you know, I do think it needs to be clear. It's like, these people will get these trips if you do this. If you're within these parameters, this is how you will be treated or how you will be sent the trips. Obviously right. that's, you know, and sort of taking a step back is like, you know, a lot of the time, a lot of these tech of are like, look, you don't understand it's so complicated. We cannot explain to you the decision-making process. And they they're can. not wrong. They can't. In some of these cases, they probably even can't because they've already built it and it's so complex right. they don't know. But that's why you need to take a step back and look at the architecture. They can certainly build a system in which they can explain it. It's just much easier to build a system that optimizes what you can and then hide behind the fact that you cannot explain it because you can't.
1: Well, if you, right? could, expl- think, if you could explain it, it wouldn't be AI, right? The, de- yeah. the definition of AI is that it's taking... Is taking it's parameters me. and taking them beyond the ability of the human mind to to conceptualize. And oh, yeah. and so it brings about a, a double a double whammy of the fact that not only can it not be explained, it can't be understood. And but so to me, it th- goes to those two
2: things, right? It's like, yeah. can you explain? And like some versions of an implementation, you can set some rules and parameters on it and you can set up a system, right? I mean, it's not impossible. You, you could, yes. Yes. Right, you could. And I think that needs to be (laughs) legislated or discussed. And then the next part is that step back is the other way is you could unleash an AI if you know and even let it run roam or roam around like unleashed if you give equal weighting to the preference of those individuals. Right. Right. I
1: think but that would be an AI that would be an AI that was optimized for some type of for some type of efficiency that was not corporate funding, that was not corporate profit. Right. I mean, yeah. right now these AIs are tuned specifically to corporate profit. So the DoorDash AI is yeah. going to do nothing but minimize the, the total cost of dashers. Yep. And dashers are looked at as the yep. expense that is to yep. be driven towards zero. And and if that means that we replace people in cars with people on bikes, then that's what it means. And if it replace means that people on bikes now now uh collaborate with robotic uh four-wheel drive vehicles and meet them up then that's what it means right that this is this is the other part of the gig economy that anyone looking at it must understand is this is a transitory phase the reason they don't care about gig workers is that you're not permanent man they'll get rid at of you not, at least not at least
0: not in this Facet in this, it, it, in and not and play. not not
1: to them, right? You could right. have you can be making a major part of your your household income off this, and it could end tomorrow. That is again another thing of like, is this the is this the relationship you want with corporate America that you are a valueless, replaceable widget? I don't yep. think it is, and no. and so that's where the gig economy is a trick, right? It's a yep. trick where we tell people that they're independent. But in reality, they're less independent than they've ever been in their entire life because we're tracking everything that they do. We have a hundred percent of the information. We give them none of it, and we run them around like little mice for our benefit. You now, you—that's why to- I think a lot
2: of these threads tie into, I guess, you know, maybe the pipe dream of what I hope to do with Terra or what you know we're trying to build here is this idea. Is like I don't think the government is going to well regulate the rules of a marketplace or an AI or tech-enabled marketplace because that's three step. They don't, you know, and you it's look not at the
1: marketplace. It's, yeah. a it, yeah. it's a game. It's and, a video and, game. And and let's not be honest. How you know if that's they, is, if they do. So if you go down the ladder, explain,
0: right? How are they going to explain their uses of it too, yeah. though?
1: If you go
2: on the ladder, right? So DoorDash and the platforms aren't going to do anything but optimize for themselves. You can assume the government isn't going to even have an, an inkling of a way towards regulating this or setting rules or parameters on this. So really, I think where we go to is given in a world in which I agree a lot with what you said, earlier, you can't expect people not to take work to put food on the table if they have to. How can you build a more perfect system? And maybe that gets to sort of this, what I always call the pipe dream of para is building that bot that represents your preferences and your interests, right? Go Uh, go ahead, go
0: ahead. Call it by name because I love, he knows. I I, I call it that,
2: I call it that personal dispatch system. But really the goal is like, can you have something that one talks to all the system one two represents your interests and three, automates and does stuff on your behalf. So I'll start rejecting things. I'll start stacking things. I work back on your behalf. And that gets some of your input put into the system, but that doesn't solve the second part, which is the you're being controlled on what's being given to you. So there's only so much you can optimize. Really, at the end of the day, the only way to be able to push back on that is to have other good options for your time and to basically break away from the fact that you are not just a replaceable cog in the system. Right is this idea of your experience means something. If you've done a bunch of good gig work well, you have skills, right? If you've done 5,000 trips, you've put up with a lot of people. You put up with a lot of shit. You've developed skill, a skill set. And that skill set is valuable. And that's valuable to other people outside of the DoorDash and other work. Right. What we've noticed is, you know, people who've done thousands of trips well uh, on the gig platforms, guess what? They can also do the hospice delivery well. They go do the catering delivery well. They go do the in-app stadium stuff that we've done stuff from you know uh, other front-of-house, back-of-house work, right? That makes sense. And I think really that's where it needs to go is, can you combine your voice being heard in the system with unlocking other options seamlessly that actually value you for your time? And to me, that's sort of only step back, I guess, what what we're trying to do,
1: really right and i i actually wrote a document of of civil rights that would be needed for a gig worker and a lot of it is that um but you know and david everything you're talking about the reason that the audience understands it is because it's in the realm of comprehensible employment and human interaction. The problem with AI and the problem with DoorDash and Uber, they slipped these things in on us during a pandemic. They didn't even really tell us what they were, how they were controlling us, how manipulated they were, what they were doing, right? We all were very uninformed consumers, you're, you are uh, you know, myself included, of what this was. There are ways, okay, I wanna make a point. The workforce, that works hard with integrity and with dedication and with pride in the gig economy has always been here and will always be here. What do we not need? We don't need the gig economy corporations, and that's the dirty little secret. We could shell those guys in a day, go with people like David who are giving us transparent information, integrity in our contracts, and we could be independent workers. There are ways to do this, but that's not what the gig economy is. The gig economy was created for one thing to enslave and profit and exploit on exploit humanity. That's the gig economy. So unless you're into that, the gig economy has got to go. What David's doing is not the gig economy. What David's doing is taking technology to legitimate labor, right? There's David's completely like different thing. From
0: the matrix. He's a, he's just kind of. Right. Very but so, but John, I
2: like what you said, because what i am always said, like nothing that we're trying to do is rocket science. In fact, all of this technology has been built. Just nobody has applied it for the individual You're putting the integrity
1: back into technology. See, I mean, the the thing is what they did is they slipped this in on us and didn't tell us that it was going to fleece our pants off, right? I mean, we kind of knew that that if corporate America was doing it, it was called the gig economy. There was probably something funny. We didn't quite know why. Now, three, three, four years later, we now see what, what DoorDash is doing. And make no mistake about it, DoorDash's lead... Governmental official worked in the White House. They paid sixteen million dollars to their top legal representative. These guys are not playing small ball. They are playing at national political levels. They're playing with the UK. They're playing with Australia. They're playing with all these different nations. And let me tell you, Australia, it's not with some friendly world. little marketing uh, specialist. No. It's with people that are the biggest hitters in the biggest political and wealth and power circles. And it's because of what the gig economy represents, which is a complete destruction of human employment. Make it, no big, doubt about it.
0: Especially what you just related to politics. I need to say that big tech is the new cigarettes. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, I
0: mean and, and then some, like I remember growing up you that c- cigarette debt. money was what funded all the politicians. They're they're (laughs) selling you
1: the end of humanity, because if you can't be legitimately employed with some type of of integrity, with some type of continuity, with some type of ability to know that when you get up in the morning, you're going to work during the day, you're going to make enough money to pay for your expenses and take care of your family. If somebody offers you something called work that doesn't allow you to do that, you should give them one of many different responses, all profane, right? Because... That's called slavery, right? If, if, if DoorDash is sending people, out, and it doesn't matter if Pedro DoorDash Santiago or some other gig tubers can go out and make $1,000 a week, that means nothing. If, if 70% of DoorDashers are crashing and burning and losing money and running their cars in the ground and failing, that doesn't make the gambling winners actually winners. It just means they're probably somehow a little bit in on it. Maybe they studied gambling a little bit harder. Maybe they've been in the game for a while. But this this doesn't make anything here legitimate employment. And that's why I watched, you know, watching your show last week, guys, you were talking about I can't remember which state it was that was kicking off Colorado, Colorado. So these companies come into Colorado and spend hundreds of millions of dollars lobbying your local legislators and putting television commercials on and everything else. They know what's at stake. They've got money to buy markets. That's what they're doing here. They're not spending it on capital investment. They're not spending it on on retaining employees. They're not spending it on, on real estate. They're buying markets around the world from politicians. And any local dictator, anybody else, you could enslave a nation of laborers with DoorDash's technology. That's what they're doing. That's what it is. It's a human enslavement tool. And you can gamify it. You can give them badges. You can penalize them. You can kick them off the thing. You got all kinds of deal, but you control their view of the world. And hey, if they turn it off, you can throw them in jail if you want. I mean, right. Don't turn off your cell phone, right. You work for me now. This is a tool of human enslavement and, and anybody that doesn't realize it is is really headed the wrong direction. And what could be done is what David's doing, which is using technology to take workers and allow them to build relationships with legitimate businesses that are legitimate contracts. But I would call David what you're doing the polar opposite of the gig economy. If which if is what so we want to do. I'm sorry, you're not a you're not a scumbag, David. I'm I'm really I'm really I'm really hard really art- to David. find
2: out you're a good guy. <laughs> <laughs> I think on our end, I guess what we call like bringing back the initial promise of the gig economy, right? Yeah. Uh, you know.
0: So yeah. Jeff, Jeff, I here's a. We're we're running out of time. So here's what I, I have one question that I have to I was gonna give you, but I have to give it I have to ask you as just a yes or no answer. And then we'll have to maybe do a follow-up sometime to get the Anytime. details on it. But here's the here's the question. Like I was saying before, the gig economy is growing around the world. What it's doing with it, it the changes that could be made, we're not a hundred percent sure what they are, will they be beneficial? But in your opinion are is there yes or no is there a way to save the gig economy not in the state it's in but to save it to allow people to work it the mass amounts that they're predicting and save it is there a way to backtrack on technology
1: absolutely not there is no way to undo what ai has done kill it with fire and empower people like david to use technology for humanity there is there is no way to take to un to, to make AI a legitimate way to dispatch and control and manipulate humans in a, in a way in which it's obviously, obviously playing them at a game, right? This is, there's nothing that is fair about this. There's nothing transparent. Absolutely not. It must die. Kill it with fire, use technology, use even AI if you want to, but do it with informed consent, do it with integrity, do it with transparency. Now we're to something that humans can survive. They can't survive what, what DoorDash is doing. We won't. And, and um, this is the warning, man, don't do it. Do not yep. fall for, for what the gig economy is attempting to sell you. Listen to people like David, listen to people that understand that, that humans work in a physical world. We're not in a game world and we have to treat humans as human beings with the right protections, with the right integrity, with the right information. So th- yep. thank you guys so much for having me on the show. It's been a it's been a real pleasure. Um, time I just time just flew I hope by. We can do it again. Yeah. <laughs> so hey
0: Jeff, uh, before we go, do you will you uh, will you give a quick pitch on on your stuff here? Yeah, like, right a, on. Um, minute elevator pitch here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I have uh, the book in process that will will be published uh, in in printed form later this year called Full Dash Closure. Awakening from the Human Exploitation of DoorDash DoorDash Singularity. Oh boy, how rusty am I to get my own book name? Of DoorDash Singularity. And then I have the Full Dash Closure audiobook and podcast where I will not only read you the audiobook, but talk with interesting people about interesting things. Uh, We're on episode 14 of that. It's on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, everywhere else. And then you can find me on Substack to read a lot of what I write, you can find me on R9 Media, and you can also find me most often on Twitter at LRB, Locker Room Banter. That stands for it is not. You can take a guess how I came up with that. LRB, it is not on Twitter, and it's it's been a great pleasure. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, you're on YouTube, too i i do have a youtube if you put (laughs) jeff thomas black into google you'll come up with stuff maybe you see me and we'll
0: put we'll put all your links down below i just wanted you to be able to spread that out there to people because i did look at your twitter channel too and i saw you have quite a few followers so um yeah this is
1: a real this is a real passion of mine like i said i I look at it as more of a human being and an activist than i do as an author this is this is a passion project for sure 100 percent um well, I think that this fit well, and I—I I,
0: I don't know about I, if I can speak for David, but it was a pleasure having you on, and uh, we absolutely will have you back for another love it. another discussion because yeah, this—I'm not even sure what we cracked here today, but guys, there's there's no stuff but, to be I mean, that's the here. thing.
1: This is this is the rabbit hole of rabbit holes. This is the biggest story of any of the three of our lifetime. It it, ab- it absolutely is. This is the this is the fight for the future of human employment. It's this is this is not small ball. This is big stuff.
0: So guys, check out Jeff's work. Um, check out his podcast and watch for his book. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I know I will be. And yeah. uh so thank say you. Say hi. Again, I'll Jeff. say hi back. And uh thank you, David. And uh, we will see Thanks, you guys David. back here next week on Para Presents. Thanks, Steve. Have a good night, guys.